Birth, the Forgotten Feminist Issue podcast was founded by me, Alicia Staines, maternal health lobbyist, birth nerd and mother of five. I share evidence-based research along with reflections from women who've birthed, researchers, fellow lobbyists and other maternal health professionals. I want to change the culture around birth and maternal health care and I want to get women inspired to embrace birth and motherhood in the feminist movements. If you find value in the work I do and you'd like to connect further, please consider becoming a Patreon of this podcast by heading to patreon.com forward slash Alicia Staines. Welcome to episode 15 of Birth the Forgotten Feminist Issue. Today with me, I've got Lindsay Carroll. She's a VBAC mentor. So for those listeners who don't know what the acronym VBAC means, it's Vaginal Birth After Caesarean. It's a particularly important space to be in because our caesarean rate, uh, we're Queensland-based, caesarean rate most recently was 36%. Um, yeah, it's pretty shocking. Um, but we also know that that has a huge impact on women's birth choices after that first caesarean. So her first birth is really critical. Um, how about you tell us to start with a little bit more about what you do um, and then perhaps why, why is VBAC so political? <laughs> so I started off in this space eight years ago now. Um, when I was pregnant with my second child. Um, my first birth was a very traumatic caesarean and afterwards I started doing heaps and heaps of research and I found the VBAC Australia support group. There were 25 women in it at that point in time. Um, I think we now have, I didn't do a check, but about 12,000. Yeah, thousands. Yep. So I uh, joined that group and very quickly um, it was kind of passed over to me as an admin to run that group. So I've been running it for about seven years now, I think. And in that time, I mean, VBAC is, it kind of comes in waves, the different issues that come up with VBAC. In running the group, I've, I've taken on roles of mentoring women, coaching women, educating women, helping women to like just to, to step up and reclaim their power and to, I guess, develop that understanding of how to build relationships with their care providers that put the woman as the power in that relationship. Um, over that time, I've also trained as a doula. I've done um, some hypnobirthing Australia work in the past. Um, I support women um, in hospital or at home births, mostly at hospital, simply because that's where most women give birth. And for myself, I, when I was planning that VBAC, I did not get that VBAC. Um, however, I went on to have a free birth at home after two caesareans, which was pretty amazing and has had a pretty huge impact on, I guess, how I work with women in the VBAC space and how I work with things like personal responsibility and um, personal power when it comes to planning your birth. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? And I know we 
before we jumped on um, to record, we talked about that. So, so a few things, I guess, to unpack is that that dicky term that's used, overused in birth around empowering women, but also, um, I guess, from the feminist point of view, is that women have been conditioned to be very compliant, to not trust ourselves um, and give our power away. So, so what are some tips, I guess, and, and how do you help women like we've got it in there, we have, we've got this innate wisdom that we know how to make decisions, but we're, you know, it's almost like being dumped down and it suits the patriarchy and a whole range of, you know, capitalist society. So, so what, because I see this amazing transformation and I, and I don't think you probably realise the huge impact that you have on these women's lives, whether they deal with you directly through employment or, or the interaction. I mean, that's, the biggest thing I see in that Facebook group is the interaction that you have with women and the, the ability or, or the way that you, I guess, ask questions or, or provide statements of facts that actually seem to almost like flick the switch and them go, hang on, this is total bullshit. I know what I need to do. So how do you get them to that stage? Wow. Um, a lot of it comes from, I was very lucky when I was going through my journeys to have amazing mentors in that space as well. And a lot of this stuff, like at the time, I remember going, why are they saying these mean things to me? Why are they telling me to take responsibility? Why do I have to do this? Surely it's, you know, surely I can just say no. Like there's not some inherent systemic issue, is there? So I think being able to... Um, I guess reflect back on how I felt through that journey and how I came through that journey. Um, I mean, I didn't start my birth journey believing in women's inherent power to birth their babies. I didn't start my birth journey believing that, you know, I can make better decisions for myself and my baby than my care providers could. I started it from possibly, well, according to my mother, I was already quite radical. But <laughs> I wasn't really in the grand scheme of things. I, I went through quite a standard sort of um, care plan with my first. I went through uh, the uh, birth centre in Darwin. Um, I wanted a home birth, but I didn't know enough about it to actually argue about that. And I went through, I complied with all the tests that were offered and all of that. And like it wasn't until after I had my baby that I could sort of sit there and reflect and go, wait a minute, I didn't consent to any of this. I wasn't given options. I wasn't like, what happened here? And going into my second birth, I had this belief that I just needed to say no and everything would be fine. I just had to find my voice and say no. But I think what a lot of women, and I see so many women in the VBAC group who are in that space, they've reached that point where they sort of go, well, things didn't go right last time. I just need to say no this time. I just need to, you know, be empowered and stand up for myself and all of that sort of stuff without realising that the system is stacked against us. Um, when you're 42 and a half weeks pregnant, and an obstetrician tells you that you must want a vaginal birth more than a live baby, like, there's not very many ways that's going to come out well. Um, so I think the big revelation in my second pregnancy 
was, well, there was two, two big revelations. One was around the power that the system wields and how that power is not actually there to protect us or to keep us safe. It's there to protect the system and keep the system safe. But also that not all midwifery care is midwifery care. Um, I, again, went through a midwifery model of care, um, a midwifery group practice. And I even remember saying to my doula, um, not long, I think it was just after I'd had that conversation with the obstetrician and I said, I'm not getting midwifery care. I'm just getting standard hospital obstetric care. They're just getting a midwife to provide it for me. And, you know, as I've sort of worked through all of that stuff, even coming into my third pregnancy, I still wasn't quite there. Despite all those people, you, you know, you might have read all the blogs that I had written in that time and that, but I, I hadn't quite got to that point yet. Um, I even tried to get into our midwifery group program in Cairns. And then it wasn't until they knocked me back because I didn't want standard obstetric care. Um, it wasn't until I was having a conversation with a friend and she said, well, you went midwifery care the last two times and it kind of sucked. Why are you trying to go into midwifery care again this time? You know, if you want a different outcome, you need to make different choices. And that was probably the time where I started to become a lot more confident around, yeah, like I can make different choices. There are choices, there are options. Um, not all of those options are awesome, but they are there. And I think a really big thing was in planning our second pregnancy um, and second birth, I again broached the idea of home birth with my partner. And his response was, no, we should have a hospital birth because if something goes wrong, we've got someone to blame. And for me, a big revelation from that is that yeah we did and it was me because I made the choice to put us back in a situation that was ultimately not best for me and the baby um you know in all that I, oh that's quite a big revelation like to accept responsibility um and it's one of these things that I don't want to come across as blaming women because we have so much blame, like women's bodies are shit, we're older, we're thicker, we're fatter, blah, blah, blah. That's the problem with mm -hmm. the intervention. But when you talk about responsibility, can you elaborate a little bit more about on that? Because I see so many women zoom in on the rupture rate of VBAC. They get so blinded by that, fear takes over and they just become almost like putty. So when we're talking about, you know, there's never any balance of, you know, the risk like of accreta and other things. Like I've had so many women say, what even is accreta? You know, like they don't even know. But when you talk about responsibility, what do you mean by that? So I think it's really important for women to realise that being responsible for our decisions and being to blame for outcomes are two different things. And this is where I think where women struggle. Like I can look back on that and I can go, I wasn't to blame for you know ending up with a repeat cesarean it's not my fault they bullied me it's not my fault that they you know they were doing unnecessary ve's and getting me to lie on the bed and all of that sort of stuff but i ultimately 
hold the responsibility for the decision making. And I think this is where women, you know, I see so many women who come in and they want their obstetrician to make the decisions because they don't want to accept responsibility for making these decisions. And they're, they're huge fucking decisions. They're massive. They are huge decisions and it is really scary. But ultimately, whether you get your obstetrician to make these decisions or you make them, you're responsible for them. That's the way our, you know, our healthcare system works. We're responsible for the decisions that we make in regards to our care, regardless of whether we allow other people to manipulate us, regardless of whether other people coerce us or influence us in other ways. I mean, we don't make decisions in a vacuum. Um, so I think it's really important for women to get to that point where they can go, I'm responsible for making these decisions. I have to live with these decisions. I'm legally responsible for these decisions. Um, I'm not to blame if something goes wrong because I, you know, you, you can't know what the outcome is going to be. Um, but I'm responsible for making decisions and I'm responsible for undertaking a thorough decision-making process. Um, lots of women, I guess, they come to me and they, they tell me they've decided something. And I go, oh, okay, so how did you come to that decision? Oh, well, you know, my obstetrician said I could have an induction or a cesarean, so I, I chose to have an induction. That's not a decision. <laughs> You've not undertaken any decision-making process there. And you're right, we need to, on the one hand, we need to stop blaming women for not asking questions that they didn't know they needed to ask and for not gathering the information they didn't know they needed to gather. But there's also a lot of women out there who are just, I don't know if it's that they're too scared to make the decisions. They don't understand the legal ramifications that they're responsible for the decisions anyway, or they just don't understand how to make these decisions but it's, it's a bit probably, Yeah, and I think it's probably a bit of both. And what I see is, are you unwilling to pack, unpack the patriarchal bullshit that has conditioned you to be compliant? Because that is where the work has to occur before you go into that setting. And I mean, I'm not a V-back mum, so I can sit up here like on my high horse saying, do this, do this. Like really, because sometimes I do when I'm talking to women, I'm like, this come back a little bit because these women have often had trauma associated with that cesarean but we are strong and we know so much if you do it now it actually comes up in so many other areas of your life you're going to be so much happier not just about your birth but fucking everywhere you're not going to put up with bullshit at work at kindy with the you know the other mum bitchiness getting you know caught up doing tuck shop that you didn't really want to do and so many other things like we need to get over this being compliant bullshit we really do yes 100 percent. and this is something i say to women all the time and i had a client who did my VBAC mentoring and she went through it and she said oh my god after all this like not only was my birth better but i can have difficult conversations with my partner now I can tell, you know, I can tell my mum to bugger off and stop harassing me about this. I can have these conversations. I can, you know, be more confident in my decisions. And the decision making for our children doesn't stop when we give birth. 
we've got a whole lifetime of decision making ahead of us. And I know for myself, I'm way more confident, um, you know, advocating for my children in an educational setting, um, advocating for my children when we go to the GP, um, you know, all of those sorts of things. They're really important skills to have. And, you know, you can start practicing those skills during your pregnancy, before your pregnancy. Talk to me, Lizzie, about what happens because I mean, when I, when I get into that stage, and we've talked about, because we were meant to do this a week ago, yet Lizzie kind of fought boundaries for me because I was being one of the yes people. And as soon as you said it, I'm like, yep, pull me up on my bullshit. Thank you. Um, <laughs> what happens, um, like, what do you see, though, manifest? Because I know that what happens when I overcommit and become the yes woman that I know I shouldn't be, I actually get resentful. How does this play out in that VBAC setting? You know, like women who end up duped, and you know, not supported, have a really hard time um, pushing back and maintaining their bodily autonomy and unpacking that. How does it manifest for them? You know, ending up repeat cesarean, perhaps birth trauma again. Like, like I see it, like in myself. Like I feel resentment when I end up in that kind of space. Like you know, parallel in life. What happens to them? What I see with a lot of women is it goes sort of two ways. You get the women who become really passive. And they become really, my obstetrician saved mine and my baby's life. We will be forever grateful to them. And they often end up in this, almost like a giving away their responsibility for their children. Um, so it does, you know, you see some women who go that way of, they just stay in that yes space. You're an authority, you know better. I need to do what you say, um, even when it comes to my children. Some women go the other way, though. They move into, I guess, aggression and resentment and um, hypervigilance and that type, of, um, that type of stuff where they become very adamant that everything now will be a no. You're an authority? No. Um, and some women, like, they resent the system. Some women resent the babies, the birth, the everything that's happened there. Um, it's really, I guess, you know, we're all individuals. So it is really hard to sort of put it as, you know, how does it manifest? But those are the two main spaces I see that go. Um, I know for myself, I ended up in the aggression section, the well, next time, I'm just going to say no to everything. I don't care. You're an obstetrician. You're a baddie. I don't want to hear it. Um, whereas there are other women who go completely the other way. Um, and you see it in the group, you know, if I'd had a home birth, my baby would have died. You know, I'm so lucky that my obstetrician did a cesarean because baby had the cord around their neck and, you know, they would have died. We're so lucky the obstetrician did the cesarean because my scar was thin. You know, all of these sorts of things. And women believe, when women believe these things without question, without any critical thought, that's when they often end up in that passive, well, they know better than me kind of space. It might be self-preservation too, because I know like I've seen like really intelligent women um, who've been duped and 
it must be, you know, particularly those type A personalities, high level of success, I'm smarter than this, you know, no one's going to do me. And, and unfortunately, it does come crashing down. Um, and then I see a bit of that self-preservation. You know, they don't even want to admit their trauma. I don't know, it's fine, you know, and particularly, I guess, when women, like I see it a lot in that private hospital setting. I'll pay big money for this. It must be a good experience. Trauma must, you know, be hand in hand with birth. And I'm not going to talk about this because then I'll feel like a failure because I've paid this money and money means, you know, in inverted commas, a good experience in birth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, it can be really hard for us sometimes. And I have in the past been, I'm definitely one of those type A women that I'm smarter than this. I went into my first birth, you know, I, I did question things. I did ask questions. I did, you know, say no to some things, not that that really mattered. And I did come out going, what? Hey, I'm better than this. I'm smarter than this. How could this have happened to me? And yeah, you, you're right when you talk about the private hospital and a lot of those women going in going, I've paid so much money for this. This doctor, he wouldn't take my $10,000 and then treat me like shit. He wouldn't take my $10,000 and then not give me evidence-based care. Like if he says I need an induction, I must need an induction. It's not about the money. It's not about anything else. It's just, you know, I'm paying him very good money to give me very good care and yeah you're right it must be really hard if you come out of that and go well that was a fucking waste of money wasn't it I paid ten thousand dollars for what is essentially the lowest level of care and that's something that a lot of women don't realize is that a lot of the time private um private obstetrics actually has the lowest outcomes of all the different uh, models of care. But if you talk about that, you're accused of doctor bashing and we don't, you know, being someone who doesn't like doctors and it's just well, a game. Um, yeah, or well, I find too that polarisation, oh, well, not everyone can have a natural birth. And, you know, so yeah. it's very actually hard to even have this fucking discussion. And I'm <laughs> like, this is the perfect one to have a discussion because she's <laughs> a parent and she can still see, like... You know, like it's like you can, you're outside the system and you can see what's going on and how, you know, the politics and the patriarchal system, it helps, it only helps the system when we stay polarised and don't unpack this stuff. Like it's not about that. Yeah, well, I mean, most of us should be able to have vaginal birth. There, There is that part. We can't argue against that. We can't. Well, we would be dead as a species. Like, we would we would have died out like if we couldn't right. but we need to um you know I think stop with the using that as an excuse to actually unpack the system because all it does is uphold that patriarchal system that continues the violence the disrespect the coercion the bullying um you know everything else in saying that I'm not saying that that women don't need to really stand in their power because that you know has to have some merit to it as well but we have to really stop with that polarization and, and totally unfounded you know rubbish like you know oh you're all just wanting a vaginal birth you know under a tree 
calling in nature and all this, you know, like it's, it's ridiculous, but it silences a lot of women who go, well, hang on, you know, who are, who are at that stage of actually unpacking. They feel like, well, if I want a vaginal birth, I, you know, like I must be in this camp, whereas it's not that at all. It's, you know, it's really unpacking the system and, and, and how the system, I guess, you know, helped in that duping them of their options. Yeah, absolutely. It does. Um, and it is, I've been chatting with a few women about this lately around how we seem to be getting further and further away from the middle. Like you've got the home birth hippies who are just, you know, we're just going to free birth, free birth or bust, you know? And then you've got the well, birth is an emergency and you need to have an obstetrician and you're probably going to need a cesarean because birth is just this horrible thing. And you're still muted. <laughs> um, would that just have a cesarean to try and circumnavigate the trauma? I want to talk about, uh, well, let's talk about that next though because there is that, as you were saying, that polarisation. But that is the, the rhetoric coming from certain birth circles that we can actually circumnavigate the trauma and bullshittery by just booking in for cesareans. Absolutely. And it makes me really, really sad because, you know, it's like if we can't humanise normal birth, how can we humanise surgical birth? Like, are you really going to feel better? And I did some writing on this. I wrote some blogs on this um, several years ago when the maternal assisted caesareans became, first became a big thing. And it was coming up all the time that, oh, well, if I can't have a VBAC, I'm going to have a maternal assisted caesarean. And women just sort of weren't really critically analysing where this was coming from. So, and you're right, like for a lot of women it was, well, do I want a traumatic birth or do I want this beautiful, amazing, wonderful caesarean where I get all this stuff that no one's going to give me if I want to be back? You know, no one's going to let me, you know, grab my baby and pull them up if I have a VBAC. But, hey, if I have a maternal assisted caesarean, I can do that and they'll keep my baby with me and they'll do this and they'll do that. And it's just really, really sad that instead of fighting to be treated better during vaginal births, during labour, being treated with respect and dignity, we're going, well, the only way to be treated with respect and dignity is to comply with what your obstetrician wants, which is, you know, they want you to have a cesarean. And you shouldn't have to put your life at increased risk to be treated with dignity and respect throughout your birthing. Yeah, can you talk to me? So there's a couple of things when we're talking about cesarean. So first of all, um, let's chat about trying to circumnavigate trauma by having a surgical birth, but also the imbalance of risk. So cesarean is really painted as a safe option. And I mentioned this before we uh, started recording that a lot of women have not heard of some of the really, really serious risks that go with surgery and repeated surgery. So when women are told like, you know, once a cesarean, always a cesarean, um, they often believe that, but it's never been painted in, um, a balanced light or, or unbiased information around the, the relevant risks of that. 
Absolutely. Um, and I mean, the risks of cesareans, women just, I actually saw a, a post or a comment today and it was a woman, her husband was saying um, that he wants her to have a cesarean because we had a cesarean last time and it all went okay. So let's do that again. But there's no conversation there around the risks with a cesarean, the risk to future pregnancies, the risks to the mum, the increased risk of hemorrhage and all of those sorts of things, the increased risk to baby having to go to special care, all of those sorts of things, they're just not mentioned. The risk to the woman's life is, I think it's a three times greater risk with a, a planned cesarean versus a VBAC. And when I was planning my free birth, that was all I had to say to my partner. I said, well, we can go to hospital. I can have a cesarean. Three times greater chance that you're going to be left with three kids to look after on your own. And he went, oh, really? Let's do it your way. Um, and it, 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 it doesn't be too busy um, because one thing I see is like, you know, the, the whole chance of rupture, Never is that even unpacked because it's small and then even smaller again is the actual risk of adverse outcome. First things like accreta, like hemorrhage, um, like I'm sure embolism because we've got surgery and then like bleeding to death and, and other, I mean, this is surgery yet it's minimised and, and it has been done for so long by surgeons that it's actually becoming minimised by women as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, another one is the BMI thing. You know, women being told that their BMI is too high to have a vaginal birth, they should have surgery, with no one mentioning that surgery actually carries greater risks for women with a high BMI. And well, often, it's a contrary, yeah, it's a contraindication in the normal yeah. world. Like outside. Right. Normally women or and men are told they need to lose weight before they can have elective surgeries because of those increased risks. But we've got to the stage where cesarean is not seen as the major surgery that it is. It's just another way to birth your baby. It's just that I don't know how many times I've seen women say it's the same as a natural birth. It's just another way to birth your baby. And that, I believe, this need to turn cesareans into natural birth has really helped with the, the I guess, the minimising of those risks. Um, and, and almost validating women um, who inadvertently give their power away. Yeah. You know, no one wants to really admit, even though we all do it, um, that we have just become yes women. Um, yeah. I was going to ask another thing uh, about the cesareans and something else. It'll come to me. It's not so much a bit about becoming normalised, um, but but the difficulties women have or what comes along. So a woman ends up usually, and it usually comes about by a cascade of intervention with her first labour, end up with a cesarean. How do her options often get reduced thereafter like so if you know woman a ends up cascade of intervention cesarean what things are then she likely be, to be faced with subsequently which often comes from hospital policy which we need to explain hospital policy is not the fucking law it is not the law it is not the law it means squat really they'll probably bully you and coerce you based on hospital policy 
but you have to stay strong and not put up with bullshit. Oh, this is totally my area and I could talk on this forever. Our reduced options. I see it so much, women being told they can't have a water birth. They can't have access to midwifery care. They can't birth in the birth center. They can't have a home birth. They've got to have extra ultrasounds. They've got to have extra tests. They've got to have all this bullshit thrown at them um, and just limiting what they can do. And women believe this often. They, no one wants to go into their obstetrician and believe that their obstetrician is withholding information and options from them. Um, but the, the simple fact is once you've had a cesarean and you're right, it is generally cascade of interventions creating that first cesarean, like your options are just bullshit. Not, and not just in terms of your options within the system, but the way society views you and your options is really different as well. Like you say you're having a VBAC and every man and his dog has an opinion on that. And is your obstetrician going to let you do that? I had someone when I um, announced that I was planning a VBAC who her friend went to an obstetrician and was told there's a really, really, really high rate of uterine rupture and that it's not a safe option. I'm like, well, actually, it's really quite safe. Um, you know, there's the biggest one, and I think the biggest issue is the lack of continuity of care offered to women who are planning a VBAC, which is why, you know, well, it's one of the reasons I do what I do so that they can have someone there with them for their journey who cares about them as a whole person. Um, yeah, this um, low-risk, you know, midwifery group practice continuity, it'll be, di it's named different things in different yeah. states, but I should have explained that earlier, MGP's midwifery group practice, where you, you know, you might be one midwife or a small team of midwives, but it's always been an issue. And, and for those women who are like, oh, but I got on it, well, fucking, like, you're lucky, you really are, because it's, it's made for low-risk women, which is, yeah, that's great, but the reality is it's actually higher risk women and vulnerable women who need the most support who actually get the least. So they're actually punished yes. For, yes. for what the system's done to them in other ways by, you know, um, that coercion around, you know, more testing. Uh, water birth's a huge one that I see all the freaking time. Like the, the risk of rupture is so small. You've also had the conversation usually around, first of all, trying to, you know, push women into a, more surgery. Okay, she stood her ground on that one. So now we'll, she's got to have monitoring. She can't have a water birth. You know, you've got to do this. We've got to do this as soon as baby's born. Blah, 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 blah. And on and on it goes. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, we might have to scan the scar to see how thick the scar is. Like, not even evidence-based, but all this crap. And, you know, <laughs> like, the amount of work a woman has to do, um, you know, not just to unpack her own stuff, but she's being constantly bombarded by information, which might not be correct or B, is not provided in unbiased or, you know, a balance of benefits and risks. So it really is, I mean, some may see it as an opportunity, but it really is like a lot of poop jumping um, to get to that stage. It is. And I actually created a meme on that. Um, jumping through hoops is not a recommended pregnancy activity. 
And if not, we need to stop jumping through hoops for these people who have no real vested interest in our outcomes. They don't have to live our lives. They want us to jump through hoops and perform and pass all their tests and do all their stuff. But at the end of the day, they don't have to go home with the scars. Um, you know, the obstetrician isn't three times more likely to die if you have a cesarean. They're not going, you know, going to possibly end up with an increased risk of infection. They're not the ones that can't sleep at night because they physically can't move because they're in so much pain from these scars. Like, we need Talk to, to remember that because I know we mentioned it before and we kind of got talking on something else. So this, and I don't want, I don't think it's, I actually think women are, are, are starting to take back their power. I actually think that side of things is growing, but there is still this small cohort um, that is reinforced in various sections of the birth community that you can just have a cesarean and avoid trauma. Yeah, that's um, such complete and utter bullshit. Um, I mean, say that to my client who had an ongoing infection for 10 months following her cesarean. Say that to the women who can't sleep at night because they can't roll over. Um, after my first cesarean, I was still on endone two weeks later, like round the clock. Um, and after my second, I had to wear those um, support shorts, SRC shorts, day and night or I couldn't move. By day four, I was in so much pain, I couldn't get out of my rocker that I was sitting in to feed Bub without help. So I think this idea that a cesarean is trauma-free is ridiculous. Um, we even have women, so many women who pop up in the group who seven goes to get the spinal in. We had one woman, it was taking seven goes to get the spinal in. She turned around and said, no, that's it. You can't get it in. I'm not having your cesarean. Came back the next day and had a vaginal birth. Um, you know, we have women who- How good, how good is that yeah. though? Like, oh, that was you awesome. know, like That transformation in that amount of time, you know, yeah. like to unpack that much shit in that short amount of time and go, fuck you, no, I, <laughs> I know what's here. I'm just going to, my body is going to do its thing. <laughs> That's it. You've butchered my back enough. Let's just leave this. Obviously, your interventions aren't doing me any good right now. And, I mean, we, we have women who feel the surgery, even in a planned surgery. We have women who have adverse reactions to epidurals and spinals. We see women who have severe bleeding babies going off to special care and being separated from their mothers because, you know, because they weren't ready to be born yet. Um, and then there's, I guess, the ongoing trauma. Um, I believe even Ranscog states that there is an increased chance of infertility um, after caesareans. Uh, mind you, they only state that in their paper on maternal requested cesareans uh, because, you know, if your doctor requested it, those risks don't exist. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> don't ever provide unbiased and balanced information to women. <laughs> no, hell no. 
And we see that a lot. Like if a woman wants an intervention, she's denied it and questioned and told she's crazy. And then women who don't want an intervention are also told, you know, denied that option, told they're crazy. It's almost like the problem is just that people don't want to give women what they want in terms of birth. Misogyny. Misogyny is the problem. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. It's giving birth in a patriarchal capitalist paradigm that, you know, we're incubators. Yeah. How many women, um, and I know because we don't collect good data in Australia and it's also fucking two years old. I work on the perinatal data, national data anyway. Shits me to tears, but you know, don't don't blame me for the data because I'm just a little old consumer. I I, I become the yes woman in these groups like <laughs> But talk to me about like I'm seeing a huge rise in free birth, and I think you you know good on these women because um you know if, if you've got to the stage where you've unpacked it and you know and you're making responsible you know like you're taking responsibility and making those choices for yourself because. I actually don't see the system changing anytime soon. I mean, I've been doing this for 10 years and, you know, it's at it's a glacial speed. Talk to me about the women who are, are free birthing. Like, what does it take to get to that stage to go, you know what, stuff the MGP, stuff the fragmented hospital care, can't find a private midwife, even if I could, likely couldn't home birth because of the restrictions on private midwifery practice. How do I, you know, how do they get to the stage of free birth? It's really interesting. In the free birth community, I sort of, again, I see two groups. There's the, I don't want to use the term hippie, but there's the, the group that have, you know, they've grown up surrounded by that very natural, birth is a natural thing. They, you know, maybe do, home, they have homeopathy. They do all of this alternative and natural sort of stuff and it's their life it's just how they live their life and free birthing is just a natural extension of that then there's the other side which is probably the most important side for us to talk about it's the women who've been burned by the system um you know it's the women who've been fucked over who have said well you had a go to take care of me and you left me with a massive scar you left me suicidal you left me depressed. You told me that I should just be grateful that my baby is alive. And, you know, I've had five years of, you know, working through all of this trauma um, as a result of that care you gave me. Well, I'm not doing that again. And it is, for some women, it's a really easy journey to get to that that point but for most of us it's like it is a hard journey because we we know that if anything goes wrong in our free birth we will be blamed for that whereas we could go to hospital and have everything go wrong and be told that it's just one of those things um and you know sometimes shit happens but when you're planning Oh, I'll just, and, and I guess, like, if we look through the history before the Christianity movement and it's kind of, you know, like taking over ceremony and things like that, birth was actually very much sacred. You know, we were bringing forth life, women supported women. So to me, it's also a huge step to then pretty much birth in isolation or just with your partner because historically, like, I actually think that 
our cells know that we're meant to be supported um, by women. Like it is women's business. That's not being sexist. That's just how it is. Um, that must play a part as well from that like cellular memory point of view to then get to that stage. Actually, it's 100% safer for me physically, emotionally, spiritually to birth alone. Yep. Absolutely. I would agree totally there. It is women's business. And a lot of women, um, I had one one client who was planning a free birth, but she um, transferred to hospital towards the end. And she said, I just felt like I needed that wise woman there. Um, that, you know, that kind, comforting person who's been through this, who can you know, remind me that it's safe to open, it's safe to transform, it's safe for this to happen. She said, yeah, intellectually, I knew all of that, but I just needed that. And it is, that's what we need with, I guess, with the women's business. And that's one of the things that we can have when we free birth. Um, I know for my free birth, yes, I had my partner there and yes, he's a great birth support person. But I also had a doula and a birth photographer there. And my doula was like, she was the emotional support. My partner did great hip squeezes. Um, that was really awesome. But my doula was the one who actually knew what I needed. She was the one who would hold my hand and look into my eyes and tell me that, yes, I could do this, that, yes, this was happening. She was the one reminding me, did I want to put my hand down there and touch baby? She was the one when, you know, everything was too much, was going, of course you can do it. You are doing it. Um, and that was really, really, really important to me. And it's what I see missing in hospital births is that real connection. Um, because most women get in there and the midwife that they see, they've never met them before. How and it's very clinically led, like all about yeah. monitoring. Um, I, I remember reading this piece and, and you know, I say that because I teach childbirth education and I say to the birth companion, if you forget what to do, think what would an eight-year-old child be telling this woman now? And it would be like, you can do this, you've got this, you know, like an eight-year-old child can support a woman, yet we've got midwives and I know there's you know a bit of like let's call the medwives whatever but they're so focused on the, the clinical and the monitoring and carrying out the hospital policy that there isn't that sense of connection or emotional support but the wise women in midwifery it's it I mean it doesn't even take a back seat sometimes there's no seat it's like good luck trying to find it the roofs come off, the back seats come off. <laughs> you know, it, there's nothing. There's nothing there at all. Yeah, we we really are missing the wise woman midwifery. Um, I've seen a few midwives who would really fall into that space. Um, I can remember having a, a two a.m. conversation with the midwife with the client in the in the tub, and she's like, oh birth it's just hospital births just not it's not real birth you can't compare it to home birth and she was just so wonderful and you could see that she was so you know my client was taking forever to make decisions and she was like that's okay we can get more information we can do this you know I can answer any questions that you want 
and she was really lovely but for the most part and it's not always the midwives fault like let's let's be real the system has them doing all this ridiculous paperwork oh um, yeah I mean I know of midwives when I've birthed you know I've had a range of births um induction hospital birth center home births um but but you know there's been times i've seen the midwife spending more time doing paperwork than it took me to birth it's crazy yeah, yeah it's ridiculous the amount of paperwork they have these days um and it's so annoying because they have to do it on the computer in the room and there's this bright light and like the amount of computers in a birthing room i just don't think is like in any way conducive to helping women get into that birthy state and i mean that's a whole that's a whole nother well, that, conversation that, that, that talking about how mammals give birth and how how the hospital has no fucking idea how mammals give birth for smart people they do very dumb stuff i know right such dumb stuff um i mean i grew up on a farm and so fourth generation like sheep and that some of with my birth I was like how did we get to like I see overnight these sheep and cows have dropped young overnight and yet everyone's lining up for epidurals and they're going into these hospitals with people touching them and doing stuff like it I mean I wasn't there like in the zone that I would be now like I hadn't hadn't unpacked feminism but I was still very perplexed how they thought that this was meant to go well given mammals you know and the oxytocin and the hormones it just like i just go back to little 24 year old me going what the actual fuck are they doing to women it was just ah uh, anyway i mean funny but sad like funny so stupid but sad because of the outcomes for women um i i think we should probably have another podcast on on that stupidity my god so i actually remember when this was first posed as a an idea and i think initially did it initially come from millie hill like the um, whole i think well, her book sitting in front of me now that my What's phone's that? actually on it, it um her book's called <laughs> like a feminist yes um, i mean this had this idea was you know how you you want to do something but you've all got all that negative bullshit so this yep. was a couple of years ago i'm like why are feminists not talking about this and obviously millie's book yeah. come out you know yeah. like i was i was like had to unpack some of that negative self-belief stuff i'm like right i'm sick of these big feminists like actually telling women that they have choice because they've had a fucking epidural like <laughs> not real choice. so i'm like i need to do something about this that's exactly right and it is this whole idea around we have choices but they're not examining like the context within which those choices exist and you know if my obstetrician tells me i have a choice between induction and a cesarean like that is not an open choice um but i also think we have this whole idea that as women, we need to be in control of our lives. Like there's this big feminist 
push, you know, years ago, the last feminist push around us having control over our lives. And for many women, when it comes to birth, the only way we can have control um, around our choices and our decisions is to choose, choose to actually adhere to the standard paradigm of the system. You know, the, the only way we can take control is to choose to have an induction, to choose to have an epidural. And we need to see it as a choice because like we're enlightened, aren't we? We're em empowered and all of that sort of wonderful stuff, but we're not actually looking at things like power structures um, and the way we make decisions and what's going on outside of, um, outside of these choices that's influencing these choices. And I think that's like, that's where we really need to get in terms of feminism. And I would love to see like a feminist movement. And I see it in some spaces. I'd love to see feminist movements around just bringing birth back to women. Like seriously, just instead of the feminists kind of being the, and often I see the feminists are the, I chose my private obstetrician, he cost me $10,000 and I got to have my elective induction because that fit in with my schedule and I had my epidural and, you know, yes, then I needed a vacuum and I needed this and I needed that, but whatever, because I've had that choice. But yeah, I'd love to see it come back to, I think true, a true feminist perspective on birth would see birth come back to women and to see it come back to being women's business. Whether that be in a hospital or a home-based, it would, you know, it would see women having continuity of care with a known wise woman care provider. It would see women having doulas who come along and support them unquestioningly, you know, to achieve their goal. It would, um, you know, it would see um, actually unpacking the power structures of the system and their place in that and actually working really, really hard to ensure that they are the power in their birth journey. Yeah, I love it. Thanks so much for your time and we'll book in session two to talk about <laughs> the infinity of the birth environment. <laughs> Thanks so much. Awesome. Right. Thank you. I'll pop links to your website below and um, actually the VBAC support group for listings as well. Yes, awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to work with me and some of my amazing short courses, I've got pre and postnatal yoga online. I've also got hypnobirthing classes for those in rural and remote locations. You can join via zoom and i've also got a new course called mastering people pleasing to have an amazing birth it's great for those who are perfectionist or reform perfectionist that type a personality and those have been indoctrinated um, into that people pleasing model you can head to www.aliciastains.com.au for more info